Welcome to the Hey Soul Sister podcast, where Mel Histon will guide you through life's big questions and bring you one step closer to doing this crazy journey as best you can. Hey Soul Sisters, I have the fabulous Kaz Amos again in the podcast studio with me today. Hey Kaz. Hi Mel, how you doing? I'm great. I'm great for seeing you. It's so good to be here, <laughs> always is. Now, if you've been following Hey Soul Sister podcast, you would have heard uh, probably a few weeks ago, Kaz was in the studio and we were talking about how to spot a narcissist. We actually looked at five signs. Yeah, five signs, how to spot them. Yeah, and we did that episode because I got your back sister in particular. It's the domestic violence charity that I started and Kaz is our workshop facilitator and counsellor there. We see a lot of women who live with the trauma of having a narcissistic partner, ex-partner, and the damage that does. Yeah, it's horrific. It is horrific to say the least. And we spend a lot of our time in the workshops and in counselling sessions looking at how to recover and how to be the kind of person that survives the traits of living with a narcissistic person, those kind of traits that are so damaging and very critical and putting people down around them so that they can look like the winner, look like the powerful person. Yeah, yeah. And so Kaz and I were just chatting after that episode came out and we got to talking and about, well, what about for those people that have grown up with a narcissistic parent? Um, and a few years ago, I'd actually on the Sister Code blog, there's an article that was written by uh, Councillor Rita Barnett. It's a great article. And she was talking about uh, the profile of a narcissistic parent. And so it was interesting because and I were chatting about, you know, signs for spotting a narcissist. But we're like, what, what about having a narcissistic parent? Because that can be incredibly traumatic for people. Yeah. So we've come back in. We're, we're going to talk about that today. If you found yourself in a narcissistic relationship, it often mirrors one of the ones that you had in your childhood, you know, either like your mum or like your father who might have been the narcissist and you find yourself attracted or bringing those people into your life because they're so familiar. Yeah. You know how they roll. Yeah. Well, I suppose it's, it's, you're used to that certain pattern of behaviour and in others and how they treat you. Mm. It's a really familiar thing. And, um, We are drawn to the familiar. The unfamiliar often represents unpredictable. And so even if it's unfamiliar and bad for us, we are often still attracted to it because we just don't know another way. Yeah. So before we get into narcissistic parents, Kaz, why don't we go back for anybody who hadn't heard our previous (laughs) podcast episode around narcissistic partners why don't we just do a bit of a recap of what narcissism actually is? Well, this time I have brought it down to four key types of narcissists. The first one is the grandiose, the egotistical, the arrogant person. You can spot them a mile away because they're singing their own praises. They're blowing their own horn. They make no bones about their arrogance. They don't apologize for it. The second type of uh, narcissist is the malignant type. So they have this grandiosity, but they're very cruel and they don't try and be nice to people in order to win them over. They're just horrible, horrible people. So we often see narcissists as being charismatic, but you're saying with the malignant narcissist, they're not even charismatic. Not even. No apologies necessary. I am what I am. 
you deal with it or you don't. And cruelty is often a part of that. And I would think uh, from the work that we're doing with um, women in abusive relationships, that might often be that person who is not grandiose in the way that we understand it to be um, with arrogance, but rather they use it to exert power and control through being mean and awful. And that's what builds their sense of grandiosity. I'm bigger, I'm stronger. Wow. So, yeah, yeah there's that overt type of um, narcissist. In contrast, the covert type of narcissist is the person that's the grandiose, but they're always the victim. So, you know, I've got these amazing ideas, but no one's ever seen my potential. Oh. Yeah. And we all feel sorry for that person. Oh, what are your great ideas? And right there, they have you, hook, line and sinker. Yeah. Ready to just reel you in. Would they see themselves as a victim? Mm, that's a really good question. They probably wouldn't, would they? No. I think they see themselves as a the person that has never achieved because other people have never seen the grandiosity that they see in themselves. Yeah. Yeah. So they're still the centre of the universe. Still the centre of their own universe, but no one else has ever picked up on that yet. And the last type of uh, narcissist is the communal narcissist who has the, the grandiose, almost super ethical position, like uh, here's me feeding the hungry children in Africa. Here's me planting another tree. Here's me being an ecological warrior. And they're unable to give without recognition from the outside of, of the world, everybody looking at them. And that's how they draw their attention to their grandiosity. Yeah. It's through their good works. And are they still cruel to others or lack that empathy or compassion for others? Maybe. Yeah. Because that's a key thing as well with the narcissism, isn't it? It's Is that lack of empathy, yeah. Lack of empathy and yep. compassion for others. Yep. Selfish is very much a focus on themselves and less attention given to outside. Yeah covers a lot of territory doesn't it when you think about the different types of people that we come across in our lives and if you've ever been on the receiving end of a narcissist you know how soul-destroying it can actually be yeah in some of the research that I did I heard somebody say that the first narcissist you might ever meet could be your mum or dad it really struck me because I thought oh how sad Mm. to be a little person and to not understand the difference between what a good parent is and that's a parent who has a balance between how much they look after you they look after themselves they are caring and uh, I suppose seeking knowledge on how to do life better compared to the traits of a narcissistic parent which are selfish they focus very much on physical appearance they lack emotion they can't connect with their children very well they often will see their children as an extension of themselves. So if that child is failing, that is a reflection on their own failure. So there's a often a standard of perfection. And for a child, they could never live up to that perfection and might also find that they grow up as an adult who think, I'm not enough. I'm never enough. I could never please. Even if I tried my hardest, if I made the most amount of money, if I studied harder then maybe I could be enough, but that parent will always see and always find something to criticise in that child. Mm. It's heartbreaking. Because when you think about kids, little kids, they see their parents when they're young 
as being a god or goddess, that they're the centre of the universe. Absolutely, they do. They just Kids love their parents unconditionally. Yeah, and as a parent it's crushing sometimes when the wheels start to fall <laughs> off and they go, hey, you're not that good, that's inconsistent or that's not good or did you swear? Yes, yes, I am a mere human, you know, welcome to that realisation. But a narcissist would not let that happen. They would always keep themselves above that. Want to fill your soul with more? I was doing some reading and I read a, a, an article that was talking about eating disorders and that eating disorders in young people, teenagers, can actually be a side effect or come about because they've had a narcissistic parent and it's like they may have been criticised about their weight or their mm. appearance and so that's a way for them to have some sort of control to feel as though they're doing something to feel better about themselves. Is that is that right? Yes. Yeah. yeah, it is. Well, first of all, there's those elements of power and control. Yeah. So somebody with an eating disorder is struggling with what can I control and having a parent that places all of the value on the external and how you look, it can only take, you know, it can take years and years of little tiny chips away at who you are by how you look. You know, comments on, oh, look at you, you've lost weight. You know, you get that little dopamine hit in your brain that goes, oh, yes, reward central. I can do that again. And then I can do that again. And then that starts to feed into a maladaptive type of thinking that results in a, in an eating disorder. So, yeah, those as children, we don't, we can't always decide what we're going to take on and what we're not going to take on. But we strive to be loved in whatever way that looks to yeah. us at the time. Yeah. And my understanding as well is that a narcissistic parent will withhold love if they feel as though it's a way for them to have power or to feel that need in them for the the grandiosity. Absolutely. They, they use that as a, a weapon. I will show you my love in abundance if you do what I say you and then I will probably do it spontaneously just to take you by surprise, just enough to keep you hanging on and keep you trying even harder. It, it sometimes doesn't look as overt as that either. You know, sometimes it's very subtle, but the results as an adult of living with a narcissistic parent are that you might uh, walk around with that whole sense constantly of not being enough and trying all sorts of different ways to... Um, build up who you are, and sometimes even develop your own narcissistic traits where you look for just external validation, as they say. So a, a wall of thank you cards, a, a wall of affirmation or constantly setting out, and, and I've seen this on social media a lot, people who put a comment out there and it's just begging for everybody to say, oh, you're amazing, look at you go. And, you know, that's a part of that external validation rather than being able to sit with yourself and hand on heart say, I'm doing the best I can today. I'm all right. I love me That's as awesome. I am Yeah. today. Yeah. Yeah. Want to save your soul? Review us on Apple Podcast. So without breaching any confidentialities, with, you know, you've had a long career in counselling. Do you have any standout, I suppose, examples of people who've had a narcissistic parent and you know, how it's impacted them? Well, I wish I was telling one from work. The only story I can really think of, and as I was putting my um, thoughts together today, 
I thought about a family member of mine, a man in my family, who I totally wanted him to accept me and think that I was great. And he used to just love putting me down in a way that was just for being a woman. So I would make comments when I had a baby, oh, you should be barefoot in the kitchen, what are you doing out here? Knowing, just knowing that I would absolutely jump on top of that and, you know, get into a tussle about it. And it got to the point that we would have these arguments with one another that we considered friendly banter, but I always felt like I was striving, you know, and I was always being criticised. And my husband said to me one day, you know, every time you two fight, everybody else feels really uncomfortable. You two think you're having a great time because you're, you know, two strong personalities getting together and smashing it out, but it's really not very kind to anybody else in our family and, you know, I'm sick of it. I don't, I, I really feel really sad actually. And so I set about working out how do I deal with this person who had narcissistic traits, definitely thought he was better than everybody else, definitely uh, a gender thing. He's the man, he's the, the stronger, the better, the faster, the more capable and women were the lesser species, which, you know, that just, if I didn't have these headphones on, steam would be coming out of my ears, <laughs> I tell you. And so I kind of started to, and, and I guess when I'm telling you this, maybe listen to what the things are that we can do to, um, to deal with narcissists in our family. And the first thing I did was I set about to um, notice the pattern and watch and wait for the trap to be set for me. And what I noticed was I needed a new way to, call, to name this man, first of all. And he's a fisherman, loved fishing. So I was like, okay, so here he is. He's going fishing again and he's throwing out the line and he's got bait on the end and he's waiting for me to just bite. And when I started to get really good at seeing the pattern, I thought, ah, here we go again. Ah, oh, there it is. Right, there's the bait. I'm not going to bite. Okay, not going to bite. And he would, it was like he would cast and cast and cast again. And then just one day, I, 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 he had cast about three bits of bait out for me. And I just turned to him and I said, I'm not fishing with you anymore. I don't want to play your game. It takes two people to go fishing. And I realized my part in that and I don't want to fish anymore. So find someone else to go fishing with or shut up. What was his response to that? He was very upset. But he stopped fishing. Wow, go Kaz. It's the boundary. I needed to set a boundary because my ego and whether it's his ego of narcissistic traits and my wanting to buy into that as well, it was getting in the way of who I wanted around me and my family. And to be honest, I would have much rather had my children and my husband than anybody else outside that circle in that moment. And I needed to... First of all, notice that pattern. Secondly, I needed to name it. (laughs) I needed to give it a funny name so I could recognise the fisherman when he was going out fishing. I needed to prepare as well. I also needed to change my expectations. So he's not going to change. That's the expectation. Nothing I do or say, because I could have very intellectually and gone to him and said, Um, you know, can you see what you're doing? I'd rather you didn't do this. 
that's probably not going to work with a narcissist. And it probably would have just played into him as well. He'd be like, oh, oh, I've, I've got her in another way. Now she's trying to reason with me. Yeah, yeah, and she's playing my game. She's now actually kind of trying to, uh, you know, almost beg, not beg, but, you know, like come in begging for me to change. Coming and actually, in at a lower position. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah. he's in that power position. And that reassures him that he's right. He's yeah. He's in that place exactly where... He wants to be and I'm exactly where he wants me to be. So in not so much for me to gain power and control in a situation, but rather to be mindful of what's mine and own my own stuff, my own words, and place a boundary in right between us that I knew was okay for me. And he can do whatever he likes after that, but I'm not fishing anymore. Yeah. It was a very hard thing to do because, well, you know, I can talk. So <laughs> I, I would try and talk my way out of anything, but um, having to be mindful of my words and to pull back when it was the right time was absolutely the, the right thing to do with that person. I think ultimately when you have a narcissist in your family and you want to stay family, you know you're going to be present around one another, the way to look at it is how do I protect myself from harm and from being hurt? Yeah. And it might mean placing a bit of distance. It also might mean making someone else, giving them a different label, but also being aware of what the game is. Let's get soulful on social media. Search the Sister Code Facebook page and follow us on Instagram. So for people out there that have a narcissistic parent, what are some of the things that they can do to actually, I suppose, live with that or not live with that, I guess? Because one of the things I was reading, they went, you're never going to change a narcissist, like you said. And one of the best things you can do if it's really bad is actually cut that person out of your life. But that's kind of extreme. It is, but you would do that for self-protection because the harm is too much. You know, if you're dealing with a narcissist who's a malignant narcissist, that criticism is always going to come and you're always going to feel it unless you find a way to create a buffer. And having somebody to go and talk to, you know, selling my own product here but finding someone you trust that can help you to see it for what it is and to realize that when I buy into it I become part of that game what can I do to self-reflect and be aware of what's happening because often those narcissists are very tricky and they they have us arguing with them or feeling like a piece of poop on the floor very, very quickly or crying in a corner or running to the toilet and hiding my tears Mm -hmm. because I'm so gutted by what they just said or did. A one parent crying because you've done something so the other parent's like, oh, you poor thing, and then ends up chastising the child, going, look what you did to your mother. Yes. Do you know something I hadn't mentioned, but uh, a narcissist in a family will set it up so that there's a golden child and a scapegoat. Mm-hmm. So then they get a way to play favourites one against the other and that feeds that dynamic and you might think, oh, I'm the scapegoat. You know what? Maybe I look very much like my narcissistic mother or I look identical to my narcissistic father and they identify something in me that either makes me the golden child or makes me the scapegoat and gives room for that... Um, that narcissistic dynamic to play out in families. Mm -hmm. It's very damaging and I have seen people in my practice who have felt like the scapegoat, always the one copying the blame, wearing the pain of the family. 
Yeah, I know a couple of people that feel that way in their own families and it's really damaging. And the parent, you know, when we talked through the parent, it's a game, it's a tool, mm. an absolute tool of manipulation. Mm. Yeah. I had one client one time who she realised that she was the scapegoat and she got a toy goat <laughs> to represent this scapegoat idea became accustomed to the idea, yep, okay, so I'm the scapegoat in the family and now what would you like to do with it? And after, you know, time we spent working around the issues and how to identify it and what to do, we actually went and took that scapegoat and um, now there's a scapegoat down the bottom of Swansea Channel somewhere. (laughs) Sorry, turtles, please forgive me, but I think the goat was a little bit too big for turtle food. But she needed to throw it away. She needed to lose the label that was placed on her by her family and in order for her to survive and to live and be the kind of person that she wanted to be. Mm. So, yeah, she was able to drown that stinking goat. (laughs) Yeah, and if you're the scapegoat or you're, I'm using the word victim, but you're the victim of a a narcissistic parent Mm. or you're you're the child of a narcissistic parent, Mm. it's not your fault. No, no, it's not. And there are reasons why narcissists are narcissists. And it comes from that same belief of I'm not enough. Hard to believe that a narcissist who has grandiose ideas of who they are might essentially believe on the inside of them that they're not enough. But that just may be true. Yeah. Yeah. So I suppose the key thing for anybody who has a narcissistic parent or a partner has a narcissist in their life they're never going to change. No, don't try and change them. You change them, you try to change them, you inflame them. Yeah. And that just ups the game because you're part of that. So finding a way to take myself out of that, become a bit more of a an observer or even like an emotional detective where you start to look at what's happening when you're in the presence of that person and look at what those patterns are so that you can take yourself out of that pattern yeah and if you find yourself when you're around that person starting to feel poorly about yourself um, doubting yourself feeling as though you're a scapegoat being blamed for things that actually are kind of ridiculous you know you're probably being the victim of a narcissist (laughs) yeah and if you find yourself justifying and defending just do this beep 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 that's the sound of me backing out of the room back it out back it up yeah and do not enter into the justification and the defending of yourself. You don't need to. And I think that's the hardest thing as well is actually admitting and acknowledging that you can't change them. And at some stage, if it doesn't get better and you can't put some boundaries in place, mm. um, if you can't identify, like you were saying, identify those situations where, okay, I could get very easily sucked into a game here and I don't want to do that. Worst case scenario, you may need to cut yourself off. Yep. And it doesn't have to be permanent. It can be for a time so you can recover, so you can get the skills that you need and the support that you need if you need to maintain that connection. Kaz, you are amazing. Well, this has been a good conversation. I hope that um, if people don't get something out of this, that they will find someone that they can talk to about the narcissist in their life so that um, we don't go making little narcissists. Absolutely. And as we were talking about, we see many women through Got Your Back Sister who have lived with a narcissist. And, you know, you do such amazing work trying to help those women rebuild their confidence, their self-esteem, rebuild their lives. And 
the end of the day, that's what we want. We want to live a peaceful, happy, joyful life. That's right. And that is what we want for all of our ladies that come into Got Your Back, sister. But I also want the same things for our friends and families. Absolutely. So we can have a lovely life together while we've got it. Yeah. Thank you, my friend. Thank you once again for coming in and sharing your beautiful wisdoms with all of us. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Hey Soul Sister with Mel Histon. What would help you on your crazy life journey? Email melissa at thesisterco.com.